Coming up, the only guarantee in life is death, taxes, and the Brooklyn Nets blowing fourth quarter leads. <laughs> we dive in on the loss at home at the hands of the Knicks coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And Doug... 108-103, a loss at home to the New York Knicks. And you'd say, hey, they're a good basketball team. That must have been a fun game to watch. Turns out it was violently painful. He's going to pop right in here off that hot mute. He knows how to work it. There we go. Just another fourth quarter disaster. Uh, two back-to-back -back games now where the Nets just completely fold in the fourth quarters. If you combine the Clippers game and the Knicks game, uh, those two teams scored 73 points against the Nets in the fourth quarter. The Nets have scored 33 points. They've been outscored by 40 points in the last two games. <laughs> um, in games they had, they were up, you know, double digits or more in, in a couple of these or these games. They had the leads and they just completely and utterly fold. And I, I just, it's, it's a confluence of problems. Um, they are, they, they look discombobulated. They look like, they look like they just, the other team is going to lose. Or the, other, the other team feels like they can win. The Nets just feel like they can lose. It looks like those kinds of situations. You know, I, and this is like a personal thing. I remember back, so the, real quick, I'm going to explain. Uh, this is going to take two seconds. I played okay. soccer in college. Our team was okay. One year, we were, but um, this is, you'll see where I'm going in a second. One year, we were playing a team that was much better than us, and we came out and scored two quick goals. And I remember standing, taking, going for the kickoff, like going for like the the for the the, the restart. Mm -hmm. And the those guys said, well, I remember one guy said, "I'm not worried about it. We're still going to beat you guys." And I and I remember I was like, "Oh man!" And I believed it, and we lost. <laughs> and that is right. all I can think about. Now I don't think I was like that every game, but that particular one, I remember they were so confident that I was like, two, two goals is not safe," and we ended up losing three to two. That's right. what I thought about these last two games, where they go into these situations. And they just, it looks like they have no chance to the point where I was even joke. We were joking about it, but going into the fourth quarter, it was like, it feels like they're, this is just kind of destined to happen. I hate being like that as a fan. I think it's a really, really bad place to be. And this team has just not given you any confidence that they can close games out in any form or fashion. And that's just kind of endemic with the slide that they're on right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, know, you said it there. I don't like to be this way, but going to the fourth, the Nets were up by nine, and I said, well, how, right how can you be any other way? Sorry to interrupt you. How can you be any other way? Like, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, right, 100 right. Like, and, and you and I, who I think do a good job and pride ourselves at being objective and keeping even keeled and not kind of swinging too hard on the pendulum of, of things, it's kind of impossible, especially in back-to-back -back games like this and over this run that they've now been on, to not feel like if it can go wrong, it is going to go wrong. And even though the Nets end up losing this one by five points in the fourth quarter, it's worth noting, like, it's not just that they had a nine-point lead going to the fourth. They also were still up by eight after uh, Lonnie Walker hit a jump shot at the 7-12 mark in this game. Like, so it's not 
in the fourth quarter. It's not just that they get to the fourth quarter. It's also that like it takes a while for the team to overtake them, but it's a yeah. slow bleed process. And to your point about, you know, having that sense of the other team, you mentioned playing, you know, playing in the game and saying like, ah, we're going to be okay here. It's even more than that. It feels like to me when it comes to Brooklyn right now, because not only is the other team, because the Knicks aren't necessarily a juggernaut by any, by any sense, but they're a very, very good team right now yeah. and getting better. They traded for OG. We'll talk about that. I'm sure. But it's that the Nets, this the equivalent of this would be you scored two goals to go up early in that game. And at the restart, you looked across to them and said, hey, we don't feel great about our chances. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah. what it feels like. It's on the Nets side of it where they lack confidence. Because in a lot of ways, I, that's what feels like happens in these fourth quarters is this is where you come out. You kind of just keep playing consistently as you have. And the other team goes away. This happens in the NBA all the time. Hey, it's not going to be our night. We're a better team. We know we're going to win more basketball games, but they got us here. Instead, it's almost like the Nets entice the other team. Hey, keep coming at us. Don't know. Come on, guys. You can get over this hump if you just keep grinding here. And these are all, I know these aren't things that are real when it comes to how players focus and how they drive and their intention and what they want to accomplish. But everything that you thought wouldn't go well for the Brooklyn Nets in that fourth quarter went exactly that way, including the final sequence where you're down and it's the play all works out. Wide open shot for Cam Johnson. I'm not just picking on him here, but of course it wasn't going to go in. How could it possibly go in based on everything that they've taught us over these last 20 plus games? And it's and it's it's a sign of the sort of disor. I would call it like almost like disorganization slash un like unclear outcome based like sort of like decision making, right? So like the the lineups for these games have been all different. The rotations are look all weird. They it's they I don't even think the, the team knows like when they're going into the final minutes who's might even be closing. I mean, like mm -hmm. when you look at the across the aisle at some of these other teams, like the Knicks, even without Hartenstein, um, or the Clippers, like they, they at least know who their core guys are gonna be, right? It's gonna be it's gonna like you know, tonight you know it's gonna be Brunson, it's gonna be Randall, it's gonna be um uh, OG. OG, you know, these, these you know these guys are gonna close with these guys and like sort of where they can turn if things are gonna go bad. The same with the Clippers, right? Now those teams have just have like sort of more high-end talent. But you see the opposite happening with the Nets. Their fourth quarter rotations are all out of whack. You're not sure on a game-to-game -game basis who's like even gonna be closing. They were throwing out lineups. I mean, at one point, it would have really solidified it for me, and we'll get into Dinwiddie like much later here. Yeah, but what solidified it for me is the moment where he checks back in. It's the fourth quarter. He checks back in. It's him, Lonnie Walker, Cam Thomas. I was like going to like fire off a tweet to say, what is the thought process here? Like, why are these? And but but by the way, I couldn't even get it out because one minute later they checked him out. Right. So and I was like, oh, this is what's happening. They don't know if they're coming or going. Like yeah, he yeah, checks yeah. in for one minute and checks literally right back out of the game. So that is just a sign. That's not even Dinwiddie related. It's just organization related. Like they don't even know what combinations they want to play. They're always trying to pick this up on the fly. And when you get down to where the games really matter in the fourth quarter, you're seeing other teams who kind of have their S together dismantle them yeah. because they already know what they're going to do. They already yeah. know the plan and the Nets don't know the plan. And it's happened. It's now happening time and time again. And the, the irony that the thing that we talked about at the start of the year and early on about, all right, well, they don't have the elite level talent, but they are very deep, right? And that's such a strength for them. That actually seems to have created now a problem for them when it comes to these rotations, these combinations, these cloning lo closing lineups. Some guys are performing better. Some guys are performing worse right now. But just to your point, familiarity, consistency, continuity. When you when you keep rotating different closing lineups, well, well where's the expectation level, right? It only takes a half a step 
to have your teammate not make the back cut you thought he was going to, right? Or especially defensively, not get the rotation quite where you thought it was. And although I will point out here, there was a sequence, we'll talk more in depth, where both Cam uh, Johnson and Mikhail Bridges were basically walking step and step behind one another, defending on the perimeter and leaving a wide open triple on the right wing. So communication issues abound here, obviously. The Brooklyn Nets lose this game, obviously, 108-103. We will get into Spencer Dinwiddie coming up here in a minute. There's also something that I do want to point out. I am going to trend a little bit positive here, ever so briefly, Doug, about something that I think the Nets can carry forward in the remainder of this season. We'll get into that in just one second. All right, before we get to that, make myself feel a little bit better here. That's because if you're heading into 2024, if you're trying to eat a little healthier, I'll tell you right now, Hungaroot is the answer. It's here to rescue you from your short-lived resolutions, making meal planning super easy and very nutritious, building healthy habits. It's not going to disappear by February, February right around the quarter. So maybe with headed out with some of those New Year's resolutions, not going to be the case. When you got Hungaroot, is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door, they got healthy groceries, simple recipes. It's all in one place. All you do on Hunger Root, you take a fun little short quiz. They're going to get to know you, your goals, how you like to eat. I'll ask you what flavors you like, what the appliances you like to use, much more to keep your needs and preferences at the top of mind when they're building your cart with all those delicious recipes. Goes beyond your weekly grocery haul with thousands of easy recipes. Actually, put groceries to good use before they get forgotten in the back of your fridge right now. Hungry Root is offering locked on and uh, excuse me, locked on Nets listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash locked on to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you hungryroot.com slash locked on. You're done with that. Head on over to eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle, level it up to peak performance, superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or you'll like this, your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, so as we continue the post-game podcast here on the Locked on Nets podcast, we remind you, If you want a little extra taste of some of the key moments throughout Nets history, and not all of them have been great, head over to WeGotNets.com, sign up with your email, and you're going to get a nice little mailer coming out to you, breaking down Jason Kidd era, the end of the superstar era, some other really fun moments as well. But it's a great way just to kind of take a little walk back through Nets history and also keep yourself in the loop as we have some really exciting things that we're going to be rolling out for all the Brooklyn Nets faithful. In spite, Doug of what's been going on lately on the court. We're still locked into this team. We're not going anywhere. It's just that we're going to hear us maybe get a little bit more irritated. I want to talk about the glaring visual in this game from the Knicks and Nets side of things when they stepped onto the court. But just before I do, the one thing that I want to say positively coming out of this game is if you think that the Nets are going to make decisions when it comes to the deadline and move on some from some veterans, we'll talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. You have to at least be encouraged by the fact that you do get like good performances out of a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. Lonnie Walker has a quiet night, has a bad shooting night here. But you're you're seeing, I think, these sample sizes, specifically with Dennis Smith Jr., that like 
hey, we have some guys here that are just going to kind of naturally step into larger roles, I think, in another few weeks. Now, the Nets can prove me wrong on this, but I do want to try to take away the idea that this is why you had this depth on this roster coming in. It's not translating to wins right now, but it does translate to having guys that could be a part of the long-term future of this team. That's as bright and optimistic as I can go. Well, also, I mean, also, we we, we skipped over it, too, before we get to this last thing. It's like Bridges did have a great game. I, it gets totally lost. Like, he yeah, scores 36 yeah, points right. on 14 for 26 shooting. Like, the three-pointer comes all the way back. Like, and career high. We're going to end on the arc there, yeah. It's gonna get lost in the in the in the muck and the mire here because the the loss takes you know center stage, you know getting Bridges like sort of like back on track with scoring is what you like to see. It's another brutal case where they should not you know it's terrible to lose these big scoring games. They have lost a few of these this season where he's turned in some big numbers. Yep. So you know if we're just trying to take out a few positives here, I agree with your your sentiment and also. We're going to end up not spending a ton of time on a 36-point game, which would not usually be the case. But when you just blow another massive fourth-quarter lead, I don't know how you, you you sit and talk about Bridges' 36 points. It just, it's a shame, but I it would it, be remiss to not at least mention it, right? Yeah, five out of the last seven games for him, he's been 26 points or better for the Brooklyn Nets, and the other two yeah. were 17 and 21. So good performances from him, yes. And, and to your point, it's like, this is the thing that we kind of talked about for a while. When is he going to get it together? And as he starts to kind of turn it on, it, of course, has to come in these games where the Nets can't team to scrape together wins. Visually, Doug, I'm all about visual aids. When the teams took the court tonight, and also when some subs came in, just the sheer size difference between the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks was, it was just palpable. To, you know, yeah. you see Precious Achua standing next to Nicholas Claxton, and you're like, my God. You see Julius Randle, who is a big guy, but you're like, well, Dorian Finney-Smith, you don't look particularly large next to him. Even all the way, it's not even about guys that are tall. It's all the way down to Jalen Brunson. You're like, well, he's just a thick body. He's got some muscle to him yeah. to be able to go into the paint. OG Ananobi looks enormous. I think he got bigger just by putting on a Knicks uniform from coming from Toronto. That, to me, to say nothing of Jericho Sims, who you thought, oh, Hardenstein will be out. Watch the Nets kind of take advantage. No, it turns out he's going to block four shots in the first quarter alone in this game. It just... You know, we, we've often mentioned this, too, about how the Nets have length and they have these these wingspans. Great. It does not change the fact when you are outgained by mass, probably by 40 percent in totality on the court tonight. Yeah, look, it was like the strength was is a, it has been a real problem against yep. some of these other guys. It was a problem again tonight. You mentioned, you know, Randall Brunson. And it's, it's good to mention Brunson, too, because he's a really, really strong player, like the low center of gravity and he can just stop on an absolute dime and he can just get his shoulder into you and create space. And he just does all these little things that just, you know, you think you got him stopped. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's kind of wormed his way to the basket again, or it's Randall where he's just got you down in the block and he's put a shoulder into you. And then he puts another shoulder into you and it's a layup, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and those things are really evident when you see it, especially with a team that has a kind, even like Josh Hart, like they can kind of bring it in across the board. It's why I joked before about if they were to trade for DeJounte Murray, it's like, okay, well, that'd be interesting. They, they go from the skinniest team in the league to the skinniest team in the league. Like they, they it's just, they, there's, it's just funny that that would kind of fit the mold of player that the nets have kind of brought in here. And yeah, it doesn't happen every single game where you see it really highlighted or really accentuated, but this was definitely one of, and it was all game long. Like, and it doesn't just mean, you know, outstrengthening someone, on just like a physical rebound or going for a ball, like just creating the space that they need to get the shots that they want off. Like Randall has shots that he wants to get off. Brunson has shots that he wants to get off. The Nets have trouble with players like that in providing a lot of resistance. They have trouble 
providing a lot of resistance around a lot of different archetypes. <laughs> um, but the but this one was for sure a problem that you kind of saw all game long. Yeah. There were times where they stymied it a little bit, but it's just another example of you know the Nets being a, not being a certain way and other teams finding ways to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, and again, like you know, it's like even that too. I feel like when we come in after these losses, you you look at a thousand different bullet points, right? I mean, it, it can be as simple as you got outscored thirty-two to eighteen in the fourth quarter, right? I know that's where we started th this conversation. Another blown fourth quarter lead. It, you know, the trend where you won the first and third quarters. You had mentioned this going back to the last episode where I think they had won six or seven quarters in a row before they had that blown fourth quarter against the Clippers. Yep. Well, they won two out of three in the first three quarters tonight. And again, you get to that fourth quarter and it starts to get away from you. And frankly, you know, the Nets outshot the uh, Knicks here from beyond the arc, 36 to 35% effectively, but they took 42 from deep here. The fact that this team and something that we haven't really mentioned specifically about this roster overall they have gone the total opposite direction when it comes to the perimeter shooting in totality. Oh, they yeah, are the bad. worst team in the league. And when you come into a season and you're going to hang your hat, not only on that you're a three-point shooting team and you have a lot of guys that can do it, but that we're going to do it at volume, well, guess what? Th that's how you walk yourself into real problems here. And it's it's one of the points I want to make sure we got to that they had a lot of open looks. Like th th there is the little part of this, this story is not just about Knicks being more physical, not just about the collapse. There are a lot of moments where there are a lot of wide open looks that the, the the process is correct and the result is poor. The problem right now is that like, yeah, unfortunately the results have been consistently poor and it just feels like there is a, a certainly a, a, a angst around this team as they approach that deadline. That's not to give excuses, but it just feels like everybody in the organization has some level of like, so what's going to happen next? And it ties into the theme you mentioned. There's no organizational set idea from the top off the court, all the way down onto the court, and the sets and rotations you're going to run. And, and you know, to, to go back to the three-point shooting for a second, it's an example of, like, the Nets, this current roster has no room for error. Like, they have no margin for error. They they don't have the ways, like, they're not getting coached up in ways that are, like, really elevating the team at all. They're, they, you know, they're not running offensive sets that, I mean, they ran they ran some early sets that I really liked with Cam Johnson. They were running Johnson off motion stuff to get Brunson, him, him on Brunson, like, over and over again. And basically shooting over him, I was like, "Oh, this works." They never did it again. Like he was four for four, and then he came back in and took two more shots in the next eight minutes. Like they don't even they, even the things that work, they don't necessarily go back to. And then, you know, they don't have you know teams have like margin for like when to use the Knicks as an example. You have Brunson and Randall. It's like, hey, you know, break glass in case of emergency. We can get Randall in the block. Mm -hmm. We can get Brunson one on one and try to pivot his way. Maybe he can get to the line. Like they have these little ways that they can kind of like recenter themselves yep. the Nets don't have that so once they don't have that and then they also don't make their threes it's kind of just booked I, like I, you know what I mean they just what are they going to do there's no other way for them to win and this has been a story for the last few weeks now they can't hit the threes with any kind of consistency and when that's going to happen I can just tell you what this this the ending of the story is going to be like yeah. because they just there's so and and it's actually highlighting of like when you even get this Mikhail Bridges game, it's like great you got it. You didn't hit the threes. So you can, you can't win. <laughs> like right. they just they they can't win. And it's it's really tough road to hoe if that's gonna be if that's just gonna be the style they play because like they're not getting floor elevation anywhere else. Like I said, the coaching is not clearly not there. The motivation to like stick all the way through these games is not there. The rotations are not there. If all that's not gonna be there, and then you're also not gonna hit the threes. 
hey, this is why you're two and eleven over the last fourteen or whatever, you're two and thirteen. Or I'm making these numbers up because there's so many losses I can't even count them. All right, uh, we'll get into some more stuff here in a second. I do want to mention. I do want to talk briefly about Dinwiddie. And yes. we are going to stay after if everyone over it. We've got a ton of people in YouTube live. Much appreciated there. So we'll stay after and do some YouTube live stuff. We'll get all into the rest of that here in a second. First, let's tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Regular season for the NFL totally wrapped up. But that's right, baby. We're in the playoffs. It's time to get in the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers. Get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. What has to happen with that $5 bet? Who cares? Win or lose. You're getting 150 in bonus bets no matter what. What can you use the 150 in bonus bets on? All the best stuff that they got going on FanDuel. They have the live scene game parlays. Uh, you can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make parlays in the Parlay Hub where you just pile everything you want to get in there together. You can find the really popular ones that other folks are putting in as well. So much more. I love to get into the player props over on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make your first bet a layup. Vandal, official partner of the NFL. All right, so as we tie a bow here on the Locked On Nets podcast, postgame edition as the uh, Brooklyn Nets fall at home, 108-103 to the New York Knicks. There are a handful of guys that I want to get to here. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, first and foremost. I do also want to touch on Cameron Johnson because it's an all-time great start and then kind of a classic Cameron Johnson never get used again. And you were kind of mentioning some of the sets they were specifically running there. Spencer Dinwiddie, you, you mentioned this at the top, came in for a minute. And went back out, essentially got benched for the last quarter and a half of this game. I, I think the question that I'm running up against here now is, and this goes back to agendas and what are you trying to serve here? I get it. Guys got to play, got to fill minutes. But if there is some type of clear disconnect here, I, I am hard pressed to think of another player on another roster in the NBA that is a guaranteed lock to start and also a guaranteed lock to be on the bench to finish the game. And that's what we've seen over these last couple for Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I mean, the line was horrific. Uh, 19 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, four assists, zero steals, zero blocks, one turnover. There was one point where he had an assist on a Mikhail Bridges. Uh, it was in the third quarter. He had an assist on a Bridges spot up. And they, and they called his name, and I actually was like, oh, I legit forgot he was playing. I, yeah. Like, I just forgot that he was even on the court. And I actually had to go back at that point and check how many minutes he had actually even played. And that's when I noticed that the stat line was just, you know, a bunch of zeros. Um, and because they just they, he just hadn't shown up, <laughs> like hadn't shown up on the screen. Right. And I was like, 17 minutes, my God. <laughs> like, what has been going on here? Well, the answer was nothing. And I just don't really know. He finished with a team high plus seven, though, if we're just being clear. Good for him. Uh, like the, it, it's just such a weird, I mean, there's been, you know, the rumors that he's, you know, on this, like kind of, someone else said strike. And I think that was aggregated a little bit, but the, the, the part where it's like, maybe he was looking for a way out and that kind of comes out. And then he goes 19, 19, 16, three games in a row. And you're like, Oh, it's all back. The problem is it's too much of this. Like you're kind of around and then you're not around. Yeah. Right. Cause the three games before that run was three points, two points, five points. And it's just really pretty tough to have your starting point guard have performances like this. And it's so weird too, because man, for so long, Dinwiddie was really, I think a pretty steadying force for this team. Love him. Yeah. Like, you know, love him or leave him here. There was, you kind of knew what you were getting. It would frustrate the fans at times. Right. But you still knew kind of what was happening. It was going to be sort of like ISO dribble drive, high pick and roll, throw some lobs, get to the rim, complain at the ref about not getting fouled or you're not getting a foul call. 
but it kind of worked, right? Like, and there's just none of it. It's all gone. It's all yeah. gone. Like they don't do any of that anymore. They they don't run any of the pick and roll with him. They don't they don't really let him like sort of like top of the key cook. I'm not th- saying they should always do that, but it's just over. Like that. If you watch videos of him like last year, at the end of the year, compared to this year, it is legit two totally different things. It's yeah. it's night and day. It's a different worlds. Like they're not even they're not even close to the same player, and it's highlighted in the game in the game stats on a nightly basis almost. And and while I would be a little bit surprised if this was also the case, like it's it's worth reminding that he's the oldest net on the roster, right? And and listen, the the precipice of when it starts to fall off a little bit usually doesn't come, you know, midway through a game, halfway through a season. But there is something there about him maybe not having the same athletic burst that he used to. He still drives to the basket at times, but that step is a little bit slower. And then you just you roll it all into this ball of not being productive and the hole that it opens up on inside of this roster now. Tonight, he has been- real quick, real quick. Yeah. Uh, let me just throw another stat at you. In his last six games, yes, six games, he has four games where he did not attempt a free throw, zero free yeah. throws in four of those six games. That we talk about just, size. He's actually one of the bigger, you know, quote bigger guys for who they. It's have just on what I'm roster. saying. It's like he's not going to the rim. He's not pressing the issue. They used to isolate him on bigger defenders and try to get switches onto those. That that's gone. They don't do that anymore. And I don't know. Uh, anyway, so it's just like you can see all these little signs. And he had that three-game stretch where it looked better, right? Yep. The, the Lakers and Clippers in Portland, like he was, you know, decently efficient. And the assists were there. But it's just too much of you're not sure on a nightly basis what you're getting. So anyway, this isn't all about Dinwiddie. I do not think Dinwiddie is the reason they lost this game, by the way. Yep. Uh, so it's not that. It's just highlighting these, like, very head-scratching lines that you see from him that just don't make – they frankly just don't make sense. Yeah, from the last 27 games of last season after the trade where he went to the line almost uh, five times per game, 4.7, this season, 3.6. And if you went back and looked at it, you'd probably see that those numbers are descending from the start of the 2. season. 2.8, 2. 2.8 in January, 2.8 free so throws right, a so game. That's, that's two January. free throw drop off from, from last year, right? Like, And you need that out of him specifically inside of this role. Now, the other, the other thing here for me, too, just to touch on a couple other points out of this game, because I think there is there's surprisingly a lot to kind of sink your teeth into so to speak dennis smith jr now he gets the bump right less spencer dinwiddie you see more dennis smith jr 29 minutes he goes four and nine five rebounds five assists like kind of everything you want here had five turnovers as well though and played dangerously with his five fouls down the stretch i was it's interesting that lonnie walker only gets 12 minutes in this game here as well um and he had a bad shooting performance but jock vaughn had said ahead of this game because people have kind of been asking fans and media Hey, why not more Lonnie Walker? He's leading the league in three-point shooting. He's 47%. Now, it's hard when Jock Vaughn says, well, we ask certain things on both ends of the floor. So you can't, uh, he, he had the underneath foul in the Clippers game out on the perimeter against Kawhi on the triple. So it's, hey, yeah, you're doing good things offensively, but you can't do that defensively. So you need to earn your way into those minutes. And it, it's just really, it's really hard. It's really hard to hear explanations like that given just that you you need guys playing, you need guys shooting. And I know it was a bad night for him in this instance, but it falls into this category because, to go a little long here, the other guy that's really been struggling lately is Dorian Finney-Smith. He's now, I believe, including tonight, two for his last 23 from beyond the arc. The three-point shot has completely fallen off, and it just encapsulates a lack of willingness to do different things. Because guess what? Tonight, Dorian Finney-Smith still played 37 minutes in spite of a really bad shooting performance and being on a bad shooting run. I don't know what the easy answers are, but it just continues the theme of try new things, try different stuff. 
And Jacques Vaughn and this coaching staff is always a half a step behind it. The Spencer Dinwiddie decision almost seems like Spencer Dinwiddie made that decision for them yeah. with his play, right? It wasn't about them being proactive. They continue to be reactive in these moments. Yeah, I just think I wonder if the players are starting to feel the the strain of sort of not knowing, right? Like the minutes have just been jumbled. You're not sure. Uh, sometimes I'm not even sure if guys are like on minutes limits, like Cam Johnson played 25 minutes after, you know, starting the game really hot, had 19 points. He plays 25 minutes. I, is that a hamstring really cr- or excuse me, a cramping related thing? Cause they want to keep the minutes low or is it just, they can't find ways to get them back in games. Like, I, or they just don't trust it. I, I just don't know. If you look at these minutes on a nightly basis, which I do every single night, right? Like it's, they're not one of the toughest teams to figure out, but they're not one of the easiest either. And that's usually a sign of like, sort of just like discombobulation or just like, you don't know if you're coming or going like something. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of other examples. Like, you know, Utah was like this for a little bit, but they're like, ah, eh, maybe they're not like so motivated to win. Right. Um, and, and some teams like OKC, yeah, like their bench, their bench unit kind of changes a lot of, but do you kind of trust that because they're winning? So I don't know. So it's like hard to really knock it. And when the going gets tough, you basically know who their four or five are going to be. Like these yeah. teams that are just kind of all over the place with minutes. Um, I just don't, it's just, they're just so hard to trust. And I, it's like, sometimes they don't trust themselves or it's like an overthinking process or they don't really know. And it just seems to be happening on a nightly basis. They continue to run the same starters. I just don't know for how long. Um, uh, in, but it's also like, I don't feel like they feel confident with any other group of five. <laughs> <laughs> right like and, and so that, right like name the other five that should be starting or the you know the swaps i mean i can name other combinations like there's other combinations i think you could like start dennis Smith jr and 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 cam thomas right. instead of uh spencer dinwiddie and like cam johnson or something right like i don't know do that but they're not going to do that because those guys are veterans and they make more money and i just don't think that that's like how the organization operates right now and so that's not that by the way that's not correct but it just seems to be like the way that they're sort of flowing. So I don't know, I know man. It's we'll all disappointing. It. It's you got no, no, I know. And I know we'll talk about Cam Thomas a little bit in, in the uh, post pod pod, obviously here too. I will just say like to drill down on it one last time, Cameron Johnson, you mentioned whether it's the hamstring, you know, only 25 minutes in a game like this, 36 from McHale. Listen, you sold Brooklyn Nets organization that, that Cam Johnson could be the two to McHale bridges one. And in a game like this, you need you need 25, you need 30 from, from Cam Johnson, right? You need him to come in and give you that performance over 35-plus minutes in a game like this, and the Nets don't have that. So you try to cobble played, together some of your parts, and it just doesn't exist. He hasn't played more than 30 minutes in a game in three weeks. Not yep. two weeks. Sorry, yeah. two weeks. 25, 29, 23, 27, 23, 23. Some of these were close games, too. Like yeah. So it's not – and there's no – it's not foul trouble, and it's not, and it's not because they're blowouts, yep. right? Like, and so it's – just they must just want to cap it they're worried about the cramping or whatever it is or they just don't trust it or whatever the heck all right we're gonna get out of here on the pod feed we're gonna stay around for a little bit got a lot of folks here well we already started some questions on uh the youtube feed here we're gonna get right into some of these fan questions uh coming out of it um we'll do a ben simmons update uh for another episode because there is a ben simmons update but we'll do that on a later episode uh, so if you have a question on, on YouTube, just put it at Locked on Nets. We'll try to get to as many as possible. Mm-hmm. Make sure you go to We Got Nets too. Uh, WeGotNets.com. Grab that free ebook. Some fun stories that Adam and I put together. Uh, really happy with that. I'm really happy with what we got planned going for We Got Nets to do that as well. Obviously, my friends, the greatest mistake you can make in life is to be continually fearing that you will make one. That's Albert Hubbard. Oh, Albert or L. Ron? Which one? Alberto. Oh, Alberto, because I thought we were going to get like the uh, 
that weird religion thing with Ron, but we didn't. No, no, no problem. Yeah. Your one was one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow and in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.